0: Well, I am glad to be here. I am honored. Um, My wife, Jenny, is here with me. Uh, I have four children. Uh, They're all grown. One of them's in college, and four of them are kind of out on their own from California down to Florida and Kentucky and all of that. And we got to see two of them for uh, the holidays uh, here at Thanksgiving. The other two will, Lord willing, be uh, with us at Christmas. Uh, but we have something very new in our life. We're pretty excited about. Uh, we have a grand dog uh, in our <laughs> in our life. Uh, we have a 60-pound uh, black lab that is the craziest dog you've ever met. But Laura, our our horse and dog girl down in Kentucky, she. Uh, decided that in her 600 square foot apartment she needed a dog and what would you get if you get a dog in a 600 square foot apartment but a 90 pound Mastiff bulldog and uh, this dog comes into the house and when this dog hits your leg you know you've been hit and it leans on you and you just about fall over but uh it has been a, uh, a good holiday season, and uh, I was thrilled when uh, Russ and I got to talk about the possibility of uh, me coming uh, years ago as we dreamed about planting a church here. Uh, we had no idea what that would look like, and then when we got a hold of Russ and Tina and they uh, had a dream to do the same thing, we said, hey, go for it, and we will help you in whatever way that we can. And so uh, Russ asked... If I could preach today, and I said, you know, I would love to, and he talked about this, you know, kind between Thanksgiving and Christmas and giving and generosity, and I said, you know what? I have one of those. Um, There was a sermon that I remember Joe Stoll from Moody Bible Institute preached years and years ago, and it just grabbed my heart because I had never seen this passage in the way uh, that he unfolded it, and I went home. I actually went up to him and afterwards, and I said, can I preach that sermon someday? And he said, absolutely, just go study it for yourself and all that, and I did, and uh, it is just a wonderful passage. Because when people talk about giving and stuff, sometimes, I know in churches, it's just like, you know, do we gotta talk about this? And, and I'm, I'm not gonna talk about how much you give. I'm, I am not going there. I'm not gonna talk about where you give. I'm not gonna talk about who you're gonna give to. But as we think of the best kind of giving, what I wanna talk about today is our hearts as we give in whatever way uh, in the name of the Lord. And uh, in my ministry and in our own lives, Jenny and I have seen a lot of different motivations for giving. You know, there's the guilt complex, you know, if you really love these people, you know, and that type of thing. And it's like, okay, I guess it's my turn to do this. Or my favorite one at Christmas time with my wife and I is, well, do you think we should buy one for Uncle Al, you know? Should? Yeah. I said that's a that's a bad word to be associated with giving a present to somebody that we should do that, but we all feel obligation at times, maybe pressure, well, they got us this big a gift, and you know, we were thinking this big, but maybe we should go bigger this year, and all the different things uh, we all go through, whether it's with a church, or whether it's with family, or whatever we are thinking of giving. But this message isn't about the details, it's about our hearts, and it's about our hearts of generosity, and why would we be giving in the way that we would be giving? If you have a Bible, uh, I'd love you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. 2 Corinthians chapter eight. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. The uh, s- text is going to be up on the screen. But uh, Second Corinthians chapter eight is kind of an obscure little passage in the middle of a very interesting book that helps us to see what God would say about our heart in giving and being generous. So let's pray. Father God, there isn't anybody in this world that even compares uh, to your generosity and your giving that you have given us so much And you haven't asked for anything in return other than returning our thanks in different ways. And you gave first. You didn't wait for us to give. You gave first. And we think of that gift 2,000 years ago that came down from heaven uh, to a little manger and you have given us a great, great gift in your son. And then every day... As we wake up and we realize what we have, your word says all good gifts come from you. And so we pray that as we look into your word today, that you would help us all to understand giving from your perspective and to see what kind of heart you want us giving from. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just give you a quick context. Uh, I. I teach Bible classes at PCS, and one of the things I I drill into the kids is context is king. And so one of the things I want you to know is that this is a letter from Paul uh, to the church, just like you're the church in Peoria, or part of that, this is to the church in Corinth. And uh, if we could have Uh, that uh, first one up, that Paul evangelized Corinth on his second missionary journey. And if we could have that map up there. And over here, kind of what we would call Greece, we have the, the city of Corinth. And Paul came all the way over from Jerusalem and actually started in Antioch, went through Turkey, up into Europe, and ended up down in Corinth and then went back. And uh, the only other place you gotta remember is Macedonia, that Macedonia is north of Corinth, maybe 100, 200 miles, and there's churches up there uh, that he will eventually get to. the other thing you need to know is that Paul has been in communication with these people a lot. We know of four letters that went back and forth between Paul to the believers in Corinth. He started a church there. It would, it would be as if Russ and Tina eventually moved on and kept in correspondence with you. And we know of four letters. The first one, we we think is missing we don't know where it is the second one is first corinthians in your bible then there's a severe letter that is missing as well and then there's a fourth letter that we call second corinthians and that's where we find ourselves here today and this letter as most letters are was written for a lot of reasons But there is an absolutely clear one reason, and that is to encourage these believers in Corinth to give to the poor saints in Jerusalem, just like your compassion fund giving. Paul asked all the churches that he was kind of going around in, he said, would you set aside some money so that when I come through next time, I can take your gift down to the believers in Judea in the Jerusalem area because they were hurting so bad in Galatians he was encouraged by the church leaders to do that and he said i would love to do that and in 1 Corinthians he reminds them hey you know don't wait until i show up and then have to run to the bank just every week kind of you know set some aside and then when i come i can take your gift as well as the gift from Athens and the gift from Ephesus and we'll take it to Jerusalem for you We're not exactly sure what the problem was. We think it was a famine down in that area, and they were really struggling, and they were just trying to get all these churches to kind of get together to uh, give this special fund. And uh, I was really interested when uh, Russ was giving this exhortation for you guys to think of the compassion fund, you know. How's he going to do this? You know, nobody gets out the door until they throw at least 20 bucks here. You know, we're going to have big prizes. Boy, the person who gives the most to the compassion fund, we're going we got a TV for you, to, you know, or something. That's how our world does this. You know, either twisting arms or giving a prize or something like that. And I thought to myself, how did Paul do that? As he wrote to the Corinthians here in 2 Corinthians, how did he encourage them to take seriously this special gift to these hurting brothers and sisters a long way away that they probably had never met but that were hurting certainly worse than they were and so we're going to read in these first five verses just how paul encouraged them and motivated them to give to this special fund, so if we could have that slide. Starting in verse one, Paul says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace of God that has given, (coughs) the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they, these Macedonian churches, gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Did you catch that? As Paul's encouraging the believers in Corinth, down kind of at the bottom of the map, how he encourages them as he says, let me give you an example. You know those Macedonian churches that are uh, a couple days uh, ride up from you? Let me tell you how they gave and the heart that they gave from to encourage you to do the same. But what was really interesting is what was going on up in Macedonia. Look what he says about the condition of these churches up in Macedonia. Notice their condition. First of all, verse two, in the midst of a severe trial, that's what was going on up in Macedonia, these churches up in that area. Something was going on that was bad. And and you know, most of us, we think of trial meaning you know, I, I think of the guys and gals at the Mitsubishi plant or the or the Caterpillar people or and I mean oh my gosh, you know to, to just think I've been there for this long And now I don't have a job and what am I gonna do and that is certainly a trial or, or Jenny and I got word that one of our best friends from st Cloud where we ministered for years about my age has brain cancer and and they're not sure whether he's gonna make it and, and That is certainly a trial But let me tell you where I decided, or excuse me, where I was given an incredible heart for what a severe trial like what these people were going through. I was in India one time teaching, and I had about this many people, and it was a bunch of pastors, and we were talking with them, and, and we were just teaching them God's word, and... And I asked them, so, you know, tell me about yourselves. You know, what would you like to hear? And one of the guys raised his hand and he said, "Um, Pastor Mark, would you teach us how to respond to those who have, like, gone after us? I'm like, okay, so tell me about this. He said, well, I've been living in a government camp for about the last year and a half with my family. And the reason I'm in a government camp camp is the mayor of my town, the police chief of my town, and a other group of rioters came and burned my church down and started burning the homes of the people who were leading my church, and we fled into the forest, literally, and then it took the federal government to come and realize, you know, the, the locals aren't aren't gonna solve this problem. They're part of the problem, and they put us in a camp. And now things have calmed down, and I'm going back to my hometown. What do I say to these people when I see them for the first time? And I'm like, they didn't teach us that in seminary. Oh my word to have your church burnt down, to have the authorities in your town as part of the group that's persecuting you. And so we talked about that for a long time. We don't know exactly (coughs) what the trial was in Macedonia, but we know it was severe. Persecution of that type, people losing jobs, not because the plant's being shut down, but because you're a Christian and we don't like it, people having their livelihoods taken away from them people being persecuted in a lot of ways we don't know the details but Paul says here's what's going on in the Macedonian churches there is severe trial there is other one other thing that he mentions at the end of the verse in the he says they had extreme poverty they had extreme poverty in fact the, the churches in Macedonia were so poor, we're going to see later in the passage, Paul didn't even ask them to help in this giving. He asked the Corinthians, he asked the Ephesians, he asked the churches over in Turkey, he asked the churches down in Greece, but in northern Greece, in that Macedonian area, he didn't even ask them. It's like, you guys are so poor, I don't even have the heart to ask you, would you you give a special offering? You're just trying to feed your families. And so what was going on in Macedonia was not good. (coughs) We don't know the details, but there was severe trial and there was extreme poverty. And if you think of those two things, you know, extreme trial and poverty what would you naturally think would come from those conditions in a church or or in a family? Well, he says in verse 2, he says, in the midst of that they had overflowing joy and it welled up into rich generosity. Overflowing joy welling up into rich generosity. That's what comes from a group of people who have a severe trial that they're going through, persecution and all this, and they're incredibly poor. And I'm like, that's not normal. (laughs) Something's up there. When when I think of extreme trials and extreme poverty, that does not conjure up to me a group of people that would be incredibly generous out of a joy-filled heart. So how can trials plus poverty lead to joy and generosity. Well, that's what we're going to have Paul lift up to these people. Let, Let me tell you how that worked. First of all, they understood and they reveled in the grace of God. They understood and reveled in the grace of God. Grace means you get something that you don't deserve. I think of things my parents and Jenny's parents have given us just out of the blue. Here's a check for $500. We were just thinking of you. I mean, we didn't do anything for them. They just sent it to us. Oh, by the way, we know you guys have been kind of needing a piano. This was when, when we had little kids at home and we had talked about we'd love to have a piano, and her, her dad, just, just take our piano. We don't even use it anymore. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Just out of generous hearts of love, they gave. And God does the same thing all the time. That he, un- or he gives us so much, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And they understood and reveled in the grace of God. I testify that they they gave, even beyond their abilities. These are people who said, you know what, we have been given to by God, and now we want to turn around and give as well. Verse 9 in this chapter. It's not up on the screen. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, could become rich. The Macedonian churches understood the gospel, (laughs) the good news. They understood that God demonstrated, Romans 5, 8, his love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, while we're still spitting in God's face, he sent Jesus. You know, there's a lot of times in my life that if somebody's like, you know, please, could you, I'm, okay, I will. But there was no pleasing on our part towards God. It was God just looking down and saying, they need a Savior. Look at this condition of their sin, and, and they can't get rid of that on their own. And I'm going to send my son to die for their sins, not because they've asked me, but because I love them so much. Then I think of Ephesians 2:8 and 9. It says, For by grace, not that we deserved it, but that because God loved us so much, for by grace you have been saved through faith through your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by work so that no one can boast. And Paul says these Macedonian believers really understood and reveled in the grace of God in their life and how he had been so generous to them, just like us, a bunch of sinners spitting in God's face, and he sent Jesus for us and they were just like, we can't believe God would do that for us. But they didn't just understand it and reveled in it. Second, they understood what to do with grace. And that is to pass it on. They understood what to do with grace. Because, you know, that Ephesians 2.8.9 talks about you are saved through faith. And It's not about your works and stuff. But the very next verse, Ephesians 2.10, says, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God says, you know what? You can't do anything to get into my family other than accept the gift of my son as your savior. But once you're in the family, man, I've got great plans for you. I have great plans for you to be generous with others. And and today in your service, I mean, you've got two options I just heard of in one day. One is a compassion fund that you're giving of a check or or money. Uh, And the other is we're we're going out to the neighborhood and and taking gifts and inviting people to church. And, And the people... In Macedonia understood that the grace of God isn't something that just, you know, oh, I, I'm in the family of God now, I'm so happy, let's, let's just join hands in a nice holy huddle and, and be happy about that. It says, no. The whole point of receiving the grace of God is to turn around and give it back to others in whatever ways God has made possible for you to give. But really, the the heart of what I wanted to get at today was not that they gave, but how they gave. How did these joy-filled, grace-enamored people give? And in verse 3 through 6, we see a couple things. First of all, they gave generously. I testify that they gave generously as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. It's kind of like, you know, you you, as a pastor or a leader in a church, you know, you you, you send the plate out for a special offering, and you're kind of thinking in your mind, you know, well, we, this is a really poor church. I mean, these people can hardly support their own families and you know what, I I bet, you know, in these 75 people that are in this little church in Macedonia, as we pass the plate for this special offering, you know, we're going to get a hundred bucks. I mean, tops. They can barely take care of their own stuff. We should almost be giving to them. And he passes the plate, and he doesn't get a hundred bucks. He gets a thousand dollars. And he looks at what these people gave, And he says, I I just could hardly believe it, how much they gave. There was a story when I was a pastor in Pekin. We had this little old lady, and and, a few of you who uh, used to go to that church, you might even remember her. I won't mention her. Uh, She has gone on to be with the Lord now, but she lived by herself. She never married, and she lived on nothing you know, the, the check from the government every month just trying to keep her, and we kept track of her, you know? <laughs> are you okay? Do you got enough food? You know, stuff like that. One day, my secretary calls me from my office, and she says, uh, Mark, would you come out here? Because this lady is out here, and I think you better talk to her. I'm like, okay. So I come out, oh, how you doing? Good, good. I said, what are you here for today? well, I brought $20 worth of groceries for the food pantry, which usually we're giving her stuff from the food pantry. And I'm like, You have $20 of food for the food pantry? Yeah, the government sent me a $40 check. I I didn't even know why they sent it. They just sent me an extra $40, and I thought I'd have $20 to help with the food pantry. My secretary's in the office crying at that time, and I'm just looking at this lady going, okay. She gave way more than she was able. She gave from her heart. Jesus talked about a similar person. One day he had all of his disciples standing there at the temple, and in Mark chapter 12, everybody's throwing money in the offering plate. And there's a tradition back then, and I'm, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but there's a tradition that was told that they had a big s- brass horn, it like, like a tuba. <laughs> And people would walk by and throw the money in there. Well, what happens when you throw coins in a tuba? Ring, You know, and so people would go in and throw their coin. The rich people, you know, got lots of ring and all this. This little old lady walks up to the thing and she has two little brass coins, like two pennies in our culture. And she goes up there and she drops them in, you know, ding. Jesus sitting back here with his disciples. He says, guys, guys, come here. He said, that woman just gave more than everybody else today. Because I happen to know that everybody else went home and they had plenty more where that came from. This woman went home and those were the only two pennies that she had. He said, that's called generosity. And these Macedonians, Paul's lifting up to encourage the Corinthians to give. He says, I want you to know that they are so enamored by the grace and love of God in their lives that they gave generously. They gave more than they, we ever believed they could. Second of all, they not only gave generously, they gave on their own initiative. Entirely on their own, just catch this they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege in sharing in this service for the Lord's people can you just imagine that paul is going around he's going to collect from the corinthians and the philippians and the ephesians and all these different churches but he's not even asking the macedonians and the macedonians hear about it and they say oh oh can, can we give too? And Paul's like, I, I didn't even want to ask. You, you're just like so poor. I, I, I'm just almost embarrassed to ask. And they're like, no, no, we want to give. We want to give. And Paul's like entirely on their own, their own initiative. They didn't respond to me. They, they begged us for the privilege of joining in with this service. I remember a speaker. I was at a banquet one time. It was a Christian-type banquet, and there was a great cause and everything. And the speaker was Frankie Schaefer, uh, Francis Schaefer's son. And he, he'd doing a great job of speaking, and I happened to be on the board of this organization. And, and this guy starts in, and all of a sudden, he just starts kind of laying it out to the people that are at this banquet. And all I remember at one point, he said, and so what we're asking this God-ordained ministry here to do is blow up balloons and and clap for you so that you can give to something that obviously is what God is involved in? And I remember sitting there on the board going, oh, my word. (laughs) It's like, people are going to get up and walk out. We took in the biggest offering we had ever taken in at that banquet because he basically just said, you know what? Good God-ordained organizations and churches and and poor people, we shouldn't have to twist arms. You should just be lining up to give. And that's what Paul said the Macedonians did. They raised their hand and said, Can we help? You didn't even ask us, but we want to help. So they gave generously, they gave on their own initiative, and they gave as part of their devotion to God in every aspect of their lives. Paul says in verse 5 They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us in this special giving. This is Paul writing, the same guy who wrote to the Roman church, and he put it this way in Romans chapter 12 at the beginning. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's grace in view of his mercy to you and how generous he's been to you and forgiving your sins and sending Jesus, in view of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. In view of what God has done for you, every day you wake up and you just say, God, what can I do for your kingdom today? Maybe it's going to be your, uh, somebody, I'm going to give them a check. Maybe it's going to be that I'm, I'm going to take in some person into my home. Maybe it's going to be a visit to an elderly person. Whatever, whatever it is, God, I, I just want to be part of what you're doing. And that's what the Macedonians had said. They had just said, God, you know, whatever's going on in the kingdom these days, we want to be part of it. And then they heard about the offering. And they said, can we help? Can we help? And they gave generously. They gave more than Paul imagined. They gave from their own initiative, and they gave as part of just who they were in wanting to be part of God's kingdom. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't often give like that. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, my giving is more often supposed to giving. More often, you know, a little twist of the arm giving, feeling some pressure and stuff, but when I think back to my giving, when's the last time I gave sacrificially? When's the last time I gave beyond my ability? And more importantly, not the how much, but when's the last time I gave motivated? Because I thought, you know, I have been given so much by God. My youngest one is uh, a year younger than Janelle here. And uh, I don't remember exactly how old she was, but we were doing a family Christmas thing. We were trying to decide, how do we get the kids involved in giving at Christmas? And we came upon this organization, they had a, a, a magazine, and we investigated, and it was a really good organization, and they helped people around the world. And you could buy you know, a chicken, or you could buy a goat, or you could buy a, a well if you really had enough money, of like $1,000 or whatever. And we're looking at this, and we're like, the kids could get into that. I mean, tangible stuff and pictures of the little <laughs> kids now with their goat, and you know, now we have milk and stuff. So we said, okay, kids, here's the deal. We know that you don't have very much money. You know, we gave them an allowance, but I think Catherine was seven, and then Jonathan would have been about 15, youngest and oldest. We said, here's the deal. For every dollar you give to this special fund for Christmas, mom and dad will match your dollar. Now, we're going to give what we want to give on our own, but whatever, however many dollars you give will match it kind of, you know, motivate them a little bit. We just want you to go back to your rooms. Whenever, don't, you're, this isn't the public thing, you just come and tell Mom or Dad whenever you're ready in the next days how much you want to give. And it's, if it's five cents, that's fine. You know, whatever. We don't care. It's up to you. So they, they came to us, you know, separately, and everybody gave us some little bits. Catherine's allowance at that time was, I think, $2 a month. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a dollar a week. Catherine came to me and she said, Daddy, I want to give twenty dollars. She was seven years old. And I remember, you know, being, I'm, I'm an ex-engineer, I'm figuring this out, you know, that's like how much money you get in a third of a year of allowance. And, and I'm just thinking, you just don't understand how much that is. So here I am trying to talk her out of it. Honey, that's way too much to give. And, you know, how about five? Five would be really generous for a seven-year-old and all that. And she just kept looking at me. She said, Daddy, no, I I just, I want to give the $20 because then maybe we can get a goat. And I finally said, okay. And I took her money and she went on her way. And I went downstairs and bawled my eyes out. Not just because of the generosity of my daughter, but because here I was, a jerk dad, getting in the way of what God was trying to do in her life at that time. And I remember just thinking, wow, what if Jenny and I gave like that? Those would be... We wouldn't just be given a cow. We'd be uh, a goat. We'd be given cows and wells and all of those types of things. But after I read what the Macedonians did, I'm hoping that the Corinthians were like, you know, we want to be like that. We want to be people who are motivated to give to to our church, to people in need, to other ministries in the kingdom of God. We want to be motivated out of joy rather than guilt. We want to be motivated as we think of how generous God has been to us, and we now want to be generous as well. In fact, I started something maybe a year ago, I can't remember how long it was. Every morning when I wake up, I lay in bed, and I think through what do I have to be thankful for today? And it could be that when I get out of bed, I have a warm shower, I have a bed, I have a furnace running in my house. This morning, do you know what it was? That my body's still working. I went and played football yesterday with a bunch of high school boys, and I was so afraid that I would just be limping around today and, you know, call Russ because I can't get up there, you know. And I was like, God, thank you that my feet are working. and my back's not in you know crutches and all of it and every day i just say god you have been so generous to me and for my friend chuck who has the brain tumor we had a great conversation on the phone he was saying the same thing of how generous god had been to him with his family and his work and his house and and the friends he has and he says yes I was planning to live till 80 but you know what if I only live till 60 and that's God's will I'm okay with that it's not what I want but I'm okay with that but my God has been so generous to me in my life and so in this spirit of giving this joy that we have this knowledge of the grace of God in our lives, that should be the spirit of giving every day of our lives. And and not just at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas time. But I did think, you know, that really is a cool way to remember it. That if we are going to have the right spirit of giving at Christmas, it would be motivated because we spent time at Thanksgiving remembering just how gracious And generous God has first been to us. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for how you have been so gracious to us that you have given us not what we deserve, but what we need. We are thankful for the Lord Jesus as the number one gift in our lives, that he left heaven specifically to take care of that one thing we couldn't take care of, and that was the sin problem we had with you. But God, we thank every day of the food that we have, of the homes or the apartments that we have. Some of us have cars. We have clothes on our back, and there are many, many millions of people in this world who don't have anywhere close to even what the poorest person in this room has. And we are grateful. And Lord, I pray that as we think of what we would be doing with all your graciousness towards us, that it would be like the Macedonian church did. That we would turn that grace and generosity around and be motivated out of joy and love from you to give in the way you would want us to give. So whether it's to this church or a special fund, whether it's of our time or our energy, whatever it is, God, we want to give out of hearts overflowing with joy because of the graciousness of our God. we pray this Christmas and all year long that that would motivate us to give in the way that you would want us to give, the very best way to give. And we ask this in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen.